This January, over 750 OA members gathered in Los Angeles for OA's 50th birthday party. Events included keynote speakers, multiple long-timer panels, workshops, a big book boot camp, and even an appearance by Roseanne S. If you'd like CDs or MP3s of any or all of these sessions, go to oa50th.org and then follow the link to the recordings. That's oa50th, oa50th.org. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Michelle. Hi, I'm Michelle. I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. Hi, Hi, you guys. Really, really good to be here. Thank you, Lucy, for asking me to speak, and it's very good to see people I know here. Happy birthday. Um, you know, I feel so grateful to this program that I can I can hear you speak of your recovery, and it, it literally makes me teary-eyed, and I can actually have emotions today, and a lot of those are good emotions. Um, I can honestly stand here today and from the bottom of my heart say I'm happier than I've ever been in my life regardless of external circumstances or whatever goes on. And I can honestly tell everybody that I'm incredibly nervous to do this, and this is the longest I've ever talked, so I'm going to kind of monitor myself because I blab like nobody's business. <laughs> you know, I'll be like, and then I turned seven, and it'll be, 20, it'll be 20 after six, you know? And then I have my blah, blah, blah. So also I wanted to bring, um, this is from... You know, the AA 12 and 12, and I love the literature. I love the big book. I have a lot of sponsees, too. My absence date is July 4th, 2007, 7.47, and I've trained myself, you know, to kind of always think of God and always find gratitude whenever I see a 7, whenever I see a 4, especially those numbers together. It's like, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, now I'll look for it, you know, if I if I start getting into self-pity or you know, poor me or in my head or anything, it's, I'll, I'll look for that stuff outside of me to to remind myself, you know, there is a solution here. And um, I do have a higher power today that that looks after me. Just something I wrote, read recently, and I, I just wanted to bring this. This is from Step 7. My sponsor always tells me to continue our recovery. We have to live in Step 6 and 7 just, just constantly and be always looking for character defects. And it's actually a huge freedom that I have today that I don't have to blame everybody else for my life and my weight, you know, and my weight gain or my lack of willingness to exercise. huge part of my story was when I hit my early 20s, I was going to graduate from college, I was going to get married, and then I was going to be normal. You know, I was going to get really healthy, and the puking thing, that was all, like, part of high school. Everybody does that. And um, <laughs> the laxative thing and all of that stuff, the bulimia behavior, you know, I would just grow out of that. You know, I, I did get married, and I, I found myself um, blaming him that I wasn't healthy. You know, like, what if we, we just sit around and we do nothing? What is your problem? And, um, <laughs> you know, it was like, in the, and I divorced him over that, you know. And I, I, I seriously can remember telling my mother, I can't believe that guy doesn't like ketchup, you know, the, uh, talking about my first husband. I mean, my whole life revolves around food. What do we eat? How can, how can we even get along? We don't like the same foods. That was, I, I really thought that was same thinking, and that was the basis of a relationship. You know, I'm not even exaggerating. 
<laughs> so what I want to read is this lack of anchorage to any permanent values, this blindness to the purpose of our lives, produced other bad results. For just so as long as we were convinced that we could live exclusively by our own individual strength and intelligence, for just that long was a working faith in a higher power impossible. This was true even when we believed it that God existed. We could actually have earnest religious beliefs, which remained barren, because we were still trying to play God ourselves. As long as we placed self-reliance first, a genuine reliance upon a higher power was out of the question. The basic ingredient of all humility, a desire to seek and do God's will, was missing. You know, I, I read that in my entire life. I, I lacked any kind of desire to seek God's will. I, I didn't even have that language. I I, w- I would have been baffled if I would have heard that when I came in, you know. So I want to say welcome to the newcomers. And to qualify a little bit, I'm going to go over my history and, and kind of a couple things that brought me here, you know, um, because it, hel- it helps me to remember. You know, when I when I feel like, oh, I got this. You know, I had three meals today. I didn't binge. I didn't go, you know, buy a few boxes of laxatives or steal them. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to bed. I really got this. And, I'm like, I'm so great or something. And that, that's not really the case. It's from this program. And, um from my willingness to come here and to tell the truth here. And, um, you know, I grew up um, I grew up in Michigan, and in Michigan, that's all we do. We, we eat, we drink, <laughs> and um, we hang out, we watch movies, we complain about everything, and every, we swear about everything, too. Everything is, you know, swear words and um, stupid weather, you know? And, uh, so I grew up with, um, you know, we ate all the time. My parents were divorced at a young age, and I remember always going to step families, and, you know, there was a bunch of kids, and then it was like the next weekend, there was a bunch more kids, and there was a lot of change in my life. I think, uh, you know, when I, when I hit junior high, it became really apparent about the body stuff. Body stuff became really apparent, and also eating like crazy, you know, just, just going through those ages for anyone is just, is just crazy, I think. Um, Adolescence. Uh, I don't wish it upon anybody, even though you know nobody could be here if they didn't go through it. But in our house, I mean, we we just had drawers full of sweet stuff, and we we lived off like macaroni and cheese. I mean, that was really how you were raised in my house. And when I got to junior high, I remember always like trying to impress people with how much I could eat, and I I would always say like, well, I can eat whatever I want and not gain weight. And you know that statement only goes like people only believe that. <laughs> If you don't gain weight. So when you're, like, telling everybody that, you know, and, and your weight's increasing, is uh, you're the only one that's not noticing. Like, this isn't true, you know. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that statement, I, I carried that statement with me for a long time. And when, um, when I kind of started realizing that wasn't true, I, I found, like, bulimia to be a very good solution for that. And I could still say that. It still wasn't true, but I could I could eat and binge in front of people, say that, feel okay and superior, and then I would just go with my bulimic behavior wherever and whenever. Um, so that that continued a lot through um, through high school, and you know when I was probably 16, and I remember driving. I remember I, I bought a stick shift car because I thought I would get more exercise while I was driving. And, <laughs> seriously, it was like I was like, oh my god, this is great. <laughs> Take, like, lots of stop signs to, like, exercise more while I was driving. I bought, um, I remember my first exercise, like, in my bedroom when I was 16, and I thought, if I would just ride this bike and read a book, I would be really smart and skinny, and voila, you know? 
Um, so I would get up at odd hours of the morning and, and just ride this bike, and I made sure to ride, like, 20 miles every day. And I look back, and I just think, like, my poor family, you know? And my mom, her, I, and I, I have so much compassion for my mom today because I know when my mom was sitting there, it was like, it was in that era when you're not supposed to say anything. Like, they're just doing it for attention. Don't say anything. Like, that kind of thing was going on. And um, and I think that's really, like, she was scared to death, but she thought, like, you're not supposed to say anything because she'll do it worse, you know? Don't, like, don't provoke it. And, you know, I, I just, I, I feel so deeply for, for the things I put my mom through. You know, we have a really, really good relationship today, and part of that relationship is that I can actually call her and ask her how she's doing, you know? I actually learned that. How are you in, in these rooms? Because that wasn't in my vocabulary either before I got here. So I graduated from high school, and I, what I what I did was become, like, an expert, like, at taking drugs, restricting, not eating, and, um, you know, checking out and every other thing. And even, like, using schoolwork as, as an obsession. You know, I, I remember thinking, if I, I'll just read a book whenever I'm hungry, and I would just be, like, looking at words and, and thinking about food and try to move my body enough. And I, I got to college, and I was really skinny, and uh, it just got, like, it just got crazy in college. I mean, having dorm rooms and, you know, having, like, the common food stuff and carrying that statement with me, like, look at me, I can eat whatever I want and not gain weight. And, and then being able, so justifying my, my ability, justifying binging in front of people, you know, was, is what that statement did for me. Like, I would sit in front of anybody, shameless, telling them this. And, um, it, it just got really bad, and I ended, I ended up in other rehabs. I, I, like, didn't get it, you know. It's still my, my only primary purpose was to be thin. Like, I want to be skinny and blah, blah, blah. Like, that was it. My my dream was, like, a skinny drug addict. I mean, in my head, that really made sense because I would be thin. And, you know, I graduated from college, and it was like, oh, I'm going to grow out of that, you know, I'm going to grow out of that, and like I said, I married that guy, but we had no food interest in common, so it was like, such a dead end, you know, and that lasted like a year, and um, so funny when I think back at that, and um, I divorced him, and I thought, like, I'll never live up to my full potential married to you, like, you're my problem, and I actually said that out loud to people at the time, and they're like, yeah, sure, you know, we, we got we got divorced, and I thought, oh, God, I'm, like, I'm free at last. You know, it, it just propelled all of my behavior, like, um, completely just just bottomed out. All of my other addictions went way out of the line, and it was all in a 